are back, back in the middle of Portal Madness, back uh, in a big basketball week in Norman, and back with Garen Eming for the 29th episode of the Letterman Jacket Podcast. Garen, one, how are you? Two, 29s. What does that number do for you? I think of Tawi Walker from this year's OU team. Does, does that number strike uh, any chords of the past? Ooh, gosh, 29 is a random number to be asking me about, my friend. 29. 29. Well, on the on mm. my favorite Pittsburgh Steelers teams of all time, which are everyone's favorite Steelers teams, the 70s, that became Ron Johnson, who was mm. a who was an underrated character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High at the same time. It was uh Stacy's older beau, shall we say? But it was also a starting cornerback on the great Steelers uh, dynasty of the late 70s. Um Outside of that, am I missing someone? No, not really. It's a tough number. It's not a popular number. I will say, you see me wearing my New York Mets hat. Ike <laughs> Davis, any aficionados out there of the, the 2010 through 2012 New York Mets would know and, and it would, have, would have ridden the roller coaster of Ike Davis. I'm still a believer that he's the Mets power bat of the future, but I, I think I'm probably alone on that island. He wore number 29. <laughs> you throw Davis at me, I'm going to throw Vince Coleman of the St. Louis Cardinals back at you if we're going to go there baseball go. 29s. Well, I like that. That's good. Man, Ike Davis, go, got you. folks, quit this podcast. Go look up Ike Davis highlights from 2010 to 2012. They were electric. <laughs> uh, he was kind of one of those, either he was a lefty, he was a home run strikeout kind of guy ahead of his time, some would say. But that's more like Davis talk than I had projected here <laughs> on, on the Letterman Jacket today. We're going to dive into some portal news with the Sooners. We're going to dive in um, on another big week with, with OU men's basketball, just continuing their tear. Talk a little bit about the news around the NCAA revenue sharing, something I think we all thought was coming and that it's going to be a part of the conversation up ahead. But before we do that, Garen, first, we got to talk about our sponsors, our good friends, Forest Hill Builders, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Our Blood Institute, Bob Moore Auto Group, and come on, Garen, FireLakeJobs.com. Yeah. Citizen Potawatomi Nation has That's more than right. 75 positions available at one of its many businesses. If you want to pursue any of those jobs, go to FireLakeJobs.com to find out more and join the team. All right. It's we're not even 72 hours into the portal deal, and it feels like we've all lost a couple of years off of our lives and <laughs> that the portal's really been open for like a month. Um, but but here we are. We're recording Wednesday afternoon just for some reference uh, to this point. I think it's 11 Sooners in the portal portal um, headlined by Dylan Gabriel. Marcus Majors, one of those guys. Tawi Walker, number 29, also in the portal. Uh, Reggie Grimes, Key Lawrence. Um, I know I've left some names off there, but that's the group as of right now. Mm -hmm. And on the whole, we're not really expecting many more big surprises. I think Dylan Gabriel going into the portal was that Monday surprise. You might not have expected him back in Norman next year, um, but as Dylan himself even said uh, yesterday, I was at an event with him or that he was speaking at in Oklahoma City. He was planning on being in the pros. Um, that wasn't looking like the option he thought it would be, and that's a big part of why he is in the portal. But on the whole, the expectation is, is not for more fireworks out of Norman in the portal. Well, regarding Dylan Gabriel, uh, I, I, I think we've arrived at a point where, and I, this is good for college football if it's uncomfortable at the same time for college football, Eli. We've arrived at a point where if there is a borderline pro prospect, and I think as much as we respect and admire Gabriel for what he's done 
to uh, elevate the Sooners the last two years, this past year in particular. We also see a reality where his NFL prospects just aren't that great, right? He's, he's sort of going against the grain with regard to arm strength and build. And, and he just, he, you know, he doesn't look like certainly not a dual threat. He can move, but he's not exactly a dual threat guy either in the mold of a Lamar Jackson or, or someone of that next generation. And so what Gabriel has to weigh then isn't just a, a returning grade on a, on a draft evaluation, but if there are NIL opportunities that might net more money than say a USFL or XFL or mm-hmm. even CFL contract, right? Then why not sort of shot myself? You know, why not enter free agency and see what's out there? That I'm not saying that's exactly what befalls Dylan Gabriel as he as he transitions from OU to wherever. I'm just saying that that's going to be the case for a lot of quarterbacks of his ilk moving forward. And the good news for college football is it keeps players who are fun to watch in college, entertaining to watch in college, and and help coaches win games. It keeps them around a little bit longer than they might otherwise. Well, and I think, you know, I, I don't think on the whole, and I can speak to this other end in a second, but there's not a whole lot of folks bemoaning what Dylan Gabriel is doing. This is not right. um, feeling like when Caleb Williams left or, you know, different sort of deal, but when Lincoln Riley left. Um, I can tell you, I was in I was the ballroom at the Skirvin Hotel yesterday. Dylan Gabriel is the most popular guy in there. And I'll tell you a bit more about what he said. But to your point, um, that's going that's going to be a reason that guys don't go to the draft and hit the portal to look elsewhere like Dylan Gabriel is. It's also why we don't know this all for sure yet. But let's say Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman come back next year to ma- would be two massive developments for mm-hmm. the Sooners. That's NIL is going to have a big part of that mm-hmm. because they are guys who are not right now surefire first rounders, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in the 2024 draft, but you know, would, they've got pro prospects, but it, the decision could be made pretty easy for them. If, if they get good offers to stay in Norman and that's the NIL world we're living in. Um, and the world that, you know, Dylan Gabriel now in the portal is navigating. Like I said, I was there, uh, it was a, an event fields and futures, an Oklahoma city based organization. Uh, they do, uh, basically serve Oklahoma City public schools by uh, uh, with, through through fields and things like that, basically keeping kids in sports programs to uh, to facilitate facilitate outcomes. Um, and it's a really great cause. And Dylan Gabriel was there as a special guest. He had been scheduled for weeks uh, to be a guest, and he was there uh, one day after announcing his plans to enter the portal. Josh Norman did the Q and A. Former Sooner director of the Soul Mission. Uh, and what Dylan Gabriel laid out after, you know, talking about his time at Oklahoma, his uh, appreciation for public school system, stories about Drake Stoops, uh, was the why. Why was Dylan Gabriel, you know, headed to the portal and headed mm-hmm. elsewhere? Um, and and he explained that the NFL draft grade he was hoping for, that when he went into this season planning to hit the pros, uh, didn't come back like he wanted. And, and he didn't get that invite to the Senior Bowl. And that told him. Um, that maybe his plans had to change. The good news in the past, it's just kind of over for a guy. I mean, obviously, it's the one more year of eligibility, but um, that was the cliff college football players went off of. Now you've got NIL, you've got the portal, you can go elsewhere and make money. And, and you know, he didn't really dive into it. You could read between the lines. I, I think there's an element here where, you know, probably best for all parties to make this move. I, I think Oklahoma is ready to go to Jackson Arnold in 2024. And I, I think that's a big part of this. And if Dylan Gabriel's calculus only changed in the last 
month or so, let's say, with these NFL draft grades, you know, you wouldn't blame the Sooners for sticking with their plan and having to consider the ramifications of, you know, let's say sitting Jackson Arnold for another year. Um, and so that was that that's what I came away with yesterday was that um, learning about the, the draft grade portion and the fact that the senior bowl wasn't going to be an option changed things for Dylan Gabriel. And that, you know, again, reading between the lines, speculation, but that the, the logical move for all parties after that was for Dylan Gabriel to pursue football elsewhere next year. Yeah. And the thing that fans have to digest, Eli, is the fact that just because a guy's coming back to college doesn't mean he's coming back to your team. Mm hmm. Right, especially if you're a quarterback, you're, you're, you're coming back into the market anymore. Again, this is what we have to get comfortable or we don't have to get comfortable with, but you'd better sort of accept as a new reality or you're, or you're going to lose your mind. Guy, guy can come back to play more college football, but what he's doing in a lot of cases, especially if you're at a high profile position of quarterback or you're a high profile player, you've tossed out Stutzman and Bowman and you've gotten a lot of recognition. You don't necessarily have to just close yourself off to, I'm going to come back to, to OU, or, I'm, or if it's in a player at another school, I'm going to come back to that school. You're coming back to the market because that's exact, that's what it's become in, in NIL. And so uh, fans have got to be cool with this, understand that uh, these are guys making literal business decisions. Dylan Gabriel's social media profile, I think, includes uh, contact information for business inquiries, does it not? Right. So this is this is where we are, and it's uh, it, again a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with it. There's going to be a lot of people that still don't like it. They're going to come kicking and dragging, screaming into the portal and nil eras, but there's no going back. And so you're just going to have to uh, swallow some things that, that would have driven you crazy before. Again, I think it's complete sympathy for a guy like Gabriel because of what he's meant to the program for the last couple of years. But somewhere else, someone who may not have endeared himself as well and may not have done quite as much to put himself in such good graces might make a, a really harsh decision about returning not to that program mm -hmm. but to college football and that fan base is just going to have to come to terms i think well and I, I think too that you know again i was in that room where dylan gabriel was taking photos shaking hands there was not um a sore person in that room as it related to Dylan Gabriel, the decision he made. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of that, what helps is that Jackson Arnold is in Norman and that there's a lot of folks. For sure. Um, when I say ready to move on, it's not anything having to do with Dylan, just it helps when there's that security blanket. When Caleb Williams left uh, before Dylan Gabriel committed, you know, there was not that, that blanket. Or I think, you know, maybe revising the history, I, I don't know that Caleb Williams had uh, had maybe declared his move, but Dylan Gabriel's commitment in January 2022 certainly signaled what the Sooners were expecting. But point being, uh, it helps that OU has Jackson Arnold. That soothes this. And I, I also think, as we talk about just the new realities, it is a tricky deal for these coaching staffs to figure out sure. how to handle quarterback stuff because there's a world where you could argue that OU's best move for 2024, just that season, 12-team playoff first year in the SEC, would be for Dylan Gabriel to be their quarterback. Experience, mm -hmm. that was the offense, all of that. You could argue it. But what's the ramification of that? Are you risking losing Jackson Arnold? You are. And, and you, of course, of course. I mean, think about if, if people are lining up for Dylan Gabriel in the portal, they'd be lining up for Jackson Arnold. So those are the, the, the calculations these staffs have to make. If that was part of the calculation for OU, I think they made the correct decision. I don't think there's any debating that. Mm -hmm. One more year of Dylan Gabriel is not worth everything that Jackson Arnold is is 
promising to be. Um, mm-hmm. But those are things, you know, out at USC, uh, Lincoln Riley has Malachi Nelson, who was the, the five-star quarterback. If you go get Will Howard or you go get Cam Ward, what does that do about the guy you're you're wanting to make the future of your program? Right. So those right. are those are the challenges here that that and then you know further as well. OU's probably going to want to go get you know maybe a backup quarterback, someone with some experience. What's the sell there to somebody? Hey, come sit behind Jackson Arnold. It's the same problem you had when they brought in Dylan Gabriel was finding yep. someone capable, and it came back to bite him uh, last fall. Texas game, no Dylan Gabriel. Davis Bevel was not up to snuff. Yeah. I think right now. Um, behind Jackson Arnold, there there might not be a starting caliber quarterback. So the Sooners have stuff to figure out there. I do have, you know, I, I we're recording Wednesday afternoon. I I got this on the site, selloutcrowd.com. Uh, just you look for, smashing. Uh, you look smashing I mean, as always. You look. I'm sm- gonna do a a plug for the merch anyway at the end of this deal. Holiday shopping. If you if you're if you're still searching, folks, selloutcrowd.com. Hit hit the merch store. We got great stuff. Um, but elsewhere on the website, we also have in-depth reporting and coverage on the Sooners, among other other things. That too. We're a merch shop that does some news. (laughs) And uh, the merch shop that does some news, if you go there right now, again, I I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but it's Wednesday afternoon. Um, What I've heard on Dylan Gabriel are are these two things. One to me much more interesting than the other, but also one much more pertinent to what's going to be his final destination. From the sound of it, Ohio State and Oregon are the two front runners in no particular order. Pete Thamel of ESPN yesterday and, and reported that Oregon really is the front runner and that Dylan will be visiting there soon. I've been told that Ohio State is also on that schedule uh, for, for visits. So those would be the two front runners. I know Oregon was a quick link when, when Dylan hit the portal. USC, can you imagine the, uh, the, the outcry, the, the discussion if Lincoln Riley needed another Oklahoma quarterback to, to save his bacon in Southern California? But um, what I'm hearing at least is that the two front runners are Ohio State and Oregon uh, with visits scheduled soon. The other interesting one, and Garen, I want your thoughts on this. What I'm told is that the program that has offered Dylan Gabriel the most in terms of NIL, the biggest package, Liberty University. Not one of the blue bloods we're talking about. And, and, and I'll say out front, not a place I expect Dylan Gabriel to be playing football in 2024, but interesting no less that Liberty, ranked 23rd in the country, unbeaten, going to the Fiesta Bowl, um, is at least swimming around those waters of the elite quarterbacks and throwing big money toward mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Not a surprise they have the money, um, but you know certainly um, reaching up and, and maybe an indication of where Liberty sees itself or wants to be. This is where we are, right? This is, this is where we've arrived. <laughs> it's... Liberty is uh, an, an NIL player of, of some weight, apparently. I mean, they've, they've turned out some pretty good seasons the last few years. They just went undefeated, did they not, with mm-hmm. Jamie Chadwell, right? Indeed. As head coach, going to play or Well, how's this? Going to play Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. How Maybe about this? They- Dylan Gabriel does the coin toss, and <laughs> winner gets Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> that might be what... <laughs> People were going to tune in anyway, I assume. A little bit of a delay, David Goliath thing going on there with the Ducks and the Flames are called, right? The Flames. But yeah, what if this <laughs> Gabriel decides, do I take Phil Knight's NIL money or do I take, what, the Fallwell Trust? Is that who's involved in, where's Liberty get its money, Eli? Have you, have you um, I would assume so. I can tell you this. I'm not well versed in the financials of Liberty <laughs> University, but um 
that, that Phil Knight, you know, you get into, it's not quite, you know, what was it? Catholics versus convicts. Was that Notre Dame, Miami? Yeah. A, a whole deal. That's probably only aged worse by the day. Um, but that, you know, you Phil Knight versus uh, Liberty university in the fall wells is a really interesting Gosh. Uh, clash. But uh, yeah. I would be writing about Oregon with that potential uh, juicy storyline to, mm-hmm. to, to sink our teeth into. Indeed. Well, go ahead. No, no go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I want to make ahead. sure we got all your reporting out. No, that, we got it, it all out. It's all out there. It's all I, again. I guess I'll reiterate just for the sake of it that my that that's what I've heard okay. around the Liberty stuff. I don't anticipate that's a, that they're a serious player, but I, I think that's almost as interesting as anything um, related sure. to, um, to to where Dylan Gabriel is really going to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Liberty, J- Dylan Gabriel going to Liberty makes to me about as much sense as remember the rumors about Caleb Williams in Wisconsin mm. when, he, when he left OU. And it was like, was, don't don't count out Wisconsin. They're coming up with, you know, shots brewery money or, or whatever, <laughs> wherever they're getting their NIL. And they're, they're going to be a player here. And you thought quarterback of that caliber going to a literal graveyard for quarterbacks outside of Russell Wilson. Okay. There was Russell Wilson one time at one, at one time, but um, surely not. Surely Caleb knows how cold it gets in Madison, Wisconsin in like September. Um, You would think Gabriel would put himself in a little bit of a higher profile situation than Liberty. Uh, But if, if, if the market and we use the word market again is right, I suppose uh, it it warrants maybe at least a sit down with Chadwell or or anyone else uh, associated with that. But Eli, Oregon has always made the most sense to me. I I watched quite a bit of Ohio state this year because my dad is a Buckeye diehard and I've, you know, just by osmosis picked up an interest in, in, in the Buckeyes. I know how challenged Kyle McCord was their, their quarterback this year, not just in the Michigan game, they would gladly take Dylan Gabriel over what McCord just gave them. He's Dylan is not um, CJ Stroud, right? He's hmm. not, he's not uh, uh, Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. Thank yeah. you. Um, he's probably not even, you know, Cardale Jones, maybe more comparable to a JT Barrett, maybe. Right. And Barrett did pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I could see the fit there. It just, you, it, it just you get a sense, right, of, of of matches when you consider guys in the portal. And to me, Dylan and Eugene always jived. It was just something about that. So I I'm still picking Oregon just because of my. I, you've done more reporting than I have by by a long shot, but I'm still picking Phil Knight in the Derby. Um, but this is interesting. Buckeyes could t- would take him. Obviously, Liberty would bear hug him. But uh, I'll I'll still. Lean green and gold in the in the Gabriel sweepstakes, even after your report. I don't know if it's about the size or anything else, but to me, Bo Nix, like it feels like a proper Bo Nix replacement. Mm-hmm. If you watch that game against Washington, um, would look a lot like Dylan Gabriel, both mm-hmm. in stature and in style and in game. Um, so that to me is is interesting, um, and I do think it it just seems like a perfect fit. It feels to me, not knowing tons about uh, Oregon's roster construction, but if they're going to come back and be a contender again in 2024, mm-hmm. not many better landing spots for Dylan Gabriel and, and places for Oregon to look for a new quarterback. Sure. You'd think than a six year guy who's going to next year be in range to close out a bunch of NCAA passing records, all that feels like almost too logical. Um, but we'll see. We will see how it all develops. We'll have more of it covered here on Letterman jacket and sell crowd.com. 
uh, we can, we're not going to dive too far into OU's portal needs. There's plenty of time for that. But I can say, you know, this week, if you're wondering what the Sooners think they need, uh, just look at who they're visiting with, offering. They are in the tight end market, looking for an Austin Stogner replacement. Uh, like everyone in the country, they want experienced Power 5 offensive linemen or non-Power 5, but they're looking for uh, replacements when you talk about probably right tackle with Tyler Guyton, McCabe Matoyer, certainly at the guard spot. Uh, they need depth. We'll see what happens with Andrew Rame if he chooses to come back. Uh, and then on defense, they're looking at defensive backs and uh, and certainly on the defensive line, again, like everyone in the country. Knowing what you know, Garen, just about the Sooners roster, who they're losing, who's who might be coming back, there was one place where they need to get it right in the portal in terms of filling a position. We can include running back here too. Where would it be? Oh, it is running back, right? It has to be based on what's, but the position's wiped out. We'll see about Tatum. The, he is the number one running back rated running so, yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, I guess just for, for an accounting standpoint, they're going to have three running backs on scholarship for the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes, Caleb Hicks, they have two more running backs coming in in the 24 class. You mentioned Taylor Tatum, number one running back in the country, and uh, Xavier Robinson coming from Carl Albert, OKC kid. There is not, I think is what you're going to about to get to, a veteran presence there. Yeah, and the other thing, that is, it's not just the, the depth chart. It's the importance of the position, Eli. It's a position, and I'm not talking about Billy Sims, you know, Steve Owens, the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm not going back into, into or Adrian Peterson even going into sooner lore to talk about what that position means to OU football. I'm talking about what that position means to the offense. Even with Levy moving to Mississippi State, I'm going to assume Seth Luttrell is going to want to run the ball some. This is not going to be, you know, uh, hey, we're going to turn Jackson Arnold loose 60 times a game. And if we think about handing off to Gavin um, Sawchuck every you know five or six plays, great. No, this is – that's not how offense – the air raid has moved from – wing it everywhere, you know, everywhere at once to we're going to mix in some run game to this. Um, but the veer raid, is that what, is that how it's been termed in some? Yeah. Well, shoot. I think we're going to talk to Seth the trail this weekend. Yeah. I mean, and, and we'll, I'm, we'll get a better sense. I'm just saying, I get this. I know enough about Latrell's numbers at other places that he is a, uh, he's a run game guy uh, who, just happens to throw throw the ball a lot. He, he played fullback once upon a time. His dad was a fullback once upon a time. So this isn't about just, again, what the depth chart looks like going into spring practice. This is about what the offense needs. And so I have got to think that the Sooners are going to have to come through uh, more than once between now and the end of portal season at that position. I, you got to forgive me because I've been looking down at my phone, right? I was going to say, you've got something cooking just based on. Well, the- I mean, this has just been the news, the, the newsiest of Letterman Jackets. As we're sitting here, um, OU has announced that uh, OU Texas is going to remain in the Cotton Bowl or at the Cotton Bowl through 2036. Okay. Also announced an estimated $140 million in Cotton Bowl renovations. Okay. That is good news. The Cotton Bowl belongs, excuse me, Red River belongs to the Cotton Bowl. Yes. And and not anywhere else, certainly not at some big old stadium in Arlington. Um, so that is welcome news. What, what are your initial thoughts there? <laughs> Two things. I've seen OU Texas at Jerry World. Compared to OU Texas at the Cotton Bowl, it stinks because the sound goes straight up and then disappears. Um, 
besides the fact there's no fairgrounds, besides the fact that fans have to meet up at the Walmart outside the parking lot if they want to get in each other's faces, they can't do it everywhere you look like you can on the fairgrounds. Um, you feel like if teams like it feels like teams should take limos to AT&T Stadium, not buses through fans. That is how you get to the Cotton Bowl. So I love the fact that it's in the pl- it's now going to be at the place it belongs. 2036? Is that what the report 2036. said? 2036. Another renovations and it should be through 3036 or 2136, whatever. Yeah, no. Never many years. It should be yeah. there forever. And, and the other thing is, you know, we're talking about the changing face of college sports and it's taking us some uncomfortable places. It's nice to be able to hang on to what uh, this vestiges of, of tradition that we can, don't you think? And so here, here is perhaps the best tradition attached to uh, OU football as it relates to other programs. You could, I suppose, mix Bedlam into, into that, that pot, not any longer. So then what you're left with exclusively is OU Texas, and that game exclusively uh, should be played at what feels like sort of the, a, a Roman Coliseum, and that's exactly what we're going to get. I love that news. Fabulous news. A lot of good news going on today at, at, on the Letterman Jacket. It's some good people, good news Wednesday. Some people over the holidays turn on uh, Lifetime or Hallmark to feel good and watch you know Christmas at uh, – Evergreen Lane, mm-hmm. and others mm. tune into the jacket with Eli and Garen. It's the same kind of vibe. It is. It really is. It's a Hallmark vibe. That's about, from a, in terms of quality, in terms of corny, all that, that's us, right? You and me. A lot of, cli- lot of cliches. <laughs> People have the bingo cards out, mm-hmm. probably when they listen to the show, watch the show. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've... If, I've in my head, I'm sipping on a hot, a hot chocolate with sprinkles and marshmallows every time I talk to you. It just doesn't, <laughs> I just don't show it. Usually when I'm talking to you, I'm usually thinking about uh, a stiffer drink or something like that. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe so. This might be driving folks to drink. Uh, but anywho, you know what would get folks celebrating and sometimes celebrating uh, comes with, with drinking is the scene... The last night at Lloyd Noble Center, because there's a lot for Porter Moser and for mm-hmm. OU men's basketball fans to be excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that hasn't been said much, right? In the last couple of years, basically since Lon Kruger stepped down. I mean, there's the right. excitement around Porter, right. but uh, and his rival. But you know, the last two years have, have the, the exciting moments have been few and far between, and often followed by letdowns. You, you think to some of the heights of Porter's first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're reaching the postseason at least last year. You had the big win over Alabama, and that was really it, mm-hmm. short lived. Um, but right now, Oklahoma is off to its best start uh, since the 15 16 season. They look like an entirely different team. Mm-hmm. And last night, um, they had they had a really talented Providence team come to Norman. And not only did they get out to a hot start, not only did they hang with them athletically, physically. But in a game that was, I think, 40 to 39 with something like 12, 13 minutes left, they just pulled away. And that's something they haven't done at all the last couple of years. They just haven't had the talent to not just hang with teams, but when they're in a game to really pull away. And so they've had um, a a great start, continued it there. They'll be in Tulsa, your neck of the woods, Saturday with Arkansas. But if we're talking about perfect starts to a season that Porter Moser, you know, and the Sooners needed to go well, this has been it. And the excitement, certainly that's the part I wanted to get to the feeling inside Lloyd Noble center 
I have not yet experienced a, a December Tuesday night mm-hmm. quite like that one there um, in my time covering the Sooners. And so um, all things coming up, OU and Porter Moser at the moment. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on the jacket, Eli, talking about the importance of playing the portal related to football. The reason for that, we talk about football, you know, 90, 95% of the time on the show, but that also goes for basketball, right? You, in this day and age in college sports, if you're not playing the portal, regardless of what sport you coach, you are trailing the pack. And it looks to me like Moser has really gotten a handle on that. He's gotten the mix that he needs. He, athletically, you, you touched on it. They, they look different. They, uh, they make, create shots for themselves. They create shots for each other. Um, they haven't played Arizona or Duke or Kansas, I realize. Or anyone in the Big 12. Or they have all, all these qualifiers are warranted right now. Part of the gauntlet. But you can see, you can watch a team play anybody and see that they belong. Right, that they look like uh, uh, you know high higher level Division One FBS. That's not FBS, whatever you call it in basketball. They look like that kind of an outfit, and uh, that's what Oklahoma looks like. I, I sat down and watched quite a bit of the game last night. Something I hadn't had a chance to do because of Hallmark, basically. But I pulled myself yeah. away from Christmas Bell just so I could see what uh, what they might do against uh, your friend Kim English in Providence. And I I'm I'm a believer again. Do I think they're going to unseat KU or top Houston in the Big Twelve this year? I, I'm not going to say that. But are you asking me in early December if this is a team that's going to play in the March and get a tournament bid? Might stick around past the first weekend? Yeah, they look like the team that can do. They look like the team that can do that. I'm not saying they will, but they can. And that's the first time you could say that about an OU basketball team really since Trey Young left. And I think that's really step one whatever happens from january to march is, mm-hmm. is going to determine the season and we'll see this team's level how do they do in the gauntlet as you call it of the big 12 that's right. what's going to determine everything right. but how many years have you know how long has it been since you could feel this kind of excitement mm-hmm. about an oklahoma men's basketball team i think that's the point and that's you felt it a bit you know in the arena just a different vibe mm-hmm. that's a starting point wherever this goes we'll see but that level of hope and, and optimism uh, has been missing despite the, the very best efforts of Porter Moser, his staff, some, you know, some really quality players he's had the past few years. But this team is different. It starts with the guards. I mean, Lo Suzanne, who is going to be, he's a guy NBA scouts are already kind of circling around and, and interested. And in. I don't know if that's a, a this year thing or the future, but you've, you have an NBA caliber guard in Lo Suzanne who had his first career double double mm-hmm. against Providence. Javian McCullum, the Sienna transfer is a really, he's everything that was promised. I remember talking to uh, his coach at, uh, at, at Sienna, Steve Masciarello in the spring and just talking about a really springy fun score. And the mm-hmm. question was at 165 pounds, could he play at, at the highest level? Maybe we'll find out when he tries to go up against Houston or Kansas, but he's a springy scorer. He's really fun. You mentioned Kim English. He compared him to Allen Iverson last night. That was Whoa, the comp. Hello. I know. Which prompted hello. us to start doing some math. I mean, I'm obviously not, um, you know, I, I probably fall into this camp too. You ask me these questions all the time, but we were sitting there in the media room at Lloyd Noble Center, like doing the math on Javen McCollum's age and like how much of Allen Iverson would he have seen play? And a better question is how much does he know about Allen Iverson's game versus how much does he know about the press conference? Um, turns out he, he had a sense of both. 
Um, but I think it's starting for them with those two yeah. guards. That is the platform for what they're doing. And you want to talk about March. What do most tournament teams typically have? Really strong guard play. Mm-hmm. That helps OU. Right. Uh, helping OU is what they're getting inside. Sam Goblin and John Hughley forming a great tandem. And then, and then just all the wings they added. They've hit on a lot of those. Jalen Moore is a guy. If you want to encapsulate what they didn't have in the past in terms of athleticism, that's your guy. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech transfer. The Trey Darthard guy from uh, Utah Valley, I want to say. Uh, there's so many schools out there in Utah closely concentrated, but he's been good. Rivaldo Suarez coming from Oregon. They've really, they've hit. You mentioned the portal. They brought in a lot of portal guys. They seem to have hit on a lot of them, and this is a very different looking Porter Moser team yeah. that plays Arkansas and Tulsa. The, the end of what, the, the three-year yeah. series, at least for now, kind of the rubber match because what, two years ago was Eric Musselman getting tossed. I like few things more than an angry Eric Musselman and angry Arkansas fans. It's two of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> Last year, uh, Arkansas kind of ran through them. They were so, t- they just had so much talent. Right. Uh, and this is sort of that rubber match and uh, you got an Arkansas team that's beat Duke and an OU team on the rise. It should be a fun matchup. You're going to be there, right? I think I might come down. It's an easier drive for me than, than the rest of my f- friends at sellout. So uh, 10 minutes beats uh, two hours down the turnpike. So I, yeah, I think sh- that should be a fun game. That I assume that's going to finish like 95, 87, either way. Um, and I, I, again, it's hard for me to really dig into college basketball in the early December. Uh, we could have another show where we talk about the need to delay the start of college basketball season and maybe give fans a bigger excuse to care what's going on uh, with the Sooners. But that, that's, that's not what you brought me on for. Um, but I, I, I think Arkansas is still supposed to be pretty good. They've had a few disappointing, I think, results. But they've got the talent to uh, to play with a lot of teams, OU included. Uh, they're going to have what eighty percent of the fans probably at the BOK Center. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's actually a shorter drive from Fayetteville than OKC. Here's the also- question: It's been that way in the past, right? You were there in twenty one. I was there last year. Certainly last year, it was a an Arkansas dominated mm-hmm. game. Was it that way in twenty twenty one as well? No, they they just uh, turned. Uh, Bud Walton Arena, which has seen better days, by the way. I mean, there's still a lot of fan support for basketball in Fayetteville, but when they beat Duke, what, a week or two ago, that place mm-hmm. was as loud, apparently, as it's gotten since Nolan was still coaching at Fayetteville. So they've, they've caught the bug again. I get the sense. And so I assume that they're going to have a, a lion's share of the crowd. So um, in what might feel a little bit like a road game, the Sooners will be tested, not just because of the environment uh, and anything that Eric Musselman does with his shirt, but uh, by the fact that the Razorbacks are uh, at least as athletic as they are and, and are certainly on their level in terms of danger. Can I get a proper calling of the hogs from you? Uh, you cannot because <laughs> I can't do it properly. I, it would be like Dana Altman uh, infamously tried to do and shouldn't have tried to do before he decided this is not for me. You remember? Did you he know, do that? You know, no. You don't know the Dana Altman story? Enlighten me. Dana Altman hired, literally hired, to coach Arkansas, showed up for the press conference. They started calling the hogs. Camera pans to Altman. He doesn't, you know, the scene in, in uh, Talladega Nights where uh, Ricky Bobby doesn't know what to do with his hands? Mm-hmm. Dana Altman in that moment in Fayetteville. Well, I don't blame him. As a, <laughs> Actually, to, well, today marks the three-year anniversary, no joke, of when I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. 
And that was where I started my career before I was with you at the Tulsa World and then Sellout Crowd. And goodness, my introduction to that, the whole the whole Arkansas thing, like as in the University of Arkansas, mm-hmm. the calling of the hogs. Anywhere you are, it does not have to be related. I was at I was covering minor league baseball games right. that summer. Yeah. And I, I think they were winning some you know, the hogs were somewhere else winning an SEC tournament, maybe baseball, softball. Stadium full of people watching on their phones, calling the hogs wild place so i don't blame dan altman i'm actually on team altman on that yeah well he was supposed to take the job i think he'd actually taken the job and then he turned around after that little moment and said you know what i think i'll just stay at Creighton." Mm -hmm. so you're saying i lasted longer than dan altman i think he was great now yeah it had to be Creighton. it it sure wasn't k-state and it wasn't Hmm. he hadn't hadn't been in oregon yet i don't mind the calling to the hogs and i've been to bud walton when it's going and it is a fun environment it's cool. It's just uh, scary. I, I went I went there to when Blake Griffin was at OU with Willie Warren and that team that made the Elite Eight. They played over there. Fun game. December game. I didn't like that like two or three members of the media stood up and called the Hogs. That was a little much. A little bit of little cultish, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I you know I guess you could get that mm-hmm. anywhere, but that was just a little strange. But otherwise, I, I'm not calling the Hogs. I'm refute it's not that I don't want to call the hogs, Eli. I just can't. That's why I'm not going to do it for mm-hmm. you on the jacket. Well, speaking of cool environments, did you catch Bramlage Coliseum, Manhattan, Kansas last night? I didn't. They were playing. They had Villanova there. They beat him in overtime, I think. I didn't. But they just got that place off the hook. It's a good student section. Jerome Tang is in the crowd before every game. He's delivered a lot of fun to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, looked like an, just an incredible atmosphere. Um, and shoot, it's, I, I don't kind of like you, I'm, it takes me some time each year to catch the college basketball bug, mm-hmm. but perhaps this OU start and some of the scenes around the country are, are starting it. I would have watched Eli, but I made the pledge to watch the Sooners. I wasn't going to lose the nine o'clock, uh, Hallmark. Uh, Hallmark yeah. I, I forfeited the seven o'clock. I wasn't going to lose the nine o'clock. I didn't, I wasn't about to lose sugar and spice Christmas. Well, if I were to throw on a Christmas movie tonight, like what should I watch? What would be your first recommendation? Just I think I've got got some. That's that's part of my plans. You talking traditional, like the classics, or are we talking the the soap opera stuff on uh, yeah, Hallmark? Yeah. We're leaning more classics than soap opera. I think I start with uh, I start with Elf until Christmas. My mm. favorite, It's a Wonderful Life, but I won't watch that until Christmas Eve. Um, well. I, I will hold off as, as our friend and colleague Seth Davis does, where, where he tweets out the movie the night, you know, as it happens. You've seen that, right? On I have indeed. Our athletic buddy. Um, but if until Christmas Eve, Elf, Christmas Vacation, so um, that's the first two Santa Clauses, but not the third. Interesting. See, this is where the households differ, and maybe explains the, the two of us. You're a. Uh, it's a wonderful life family on Christmas Eve. We're a Christmas vacation family on Christmas Eve. I don't Eve. have a problem with that at all. I don't. Oh, I, I'm proud of it, but you know, we're talking two <laughs> different kinds of films. Um. <laughs> I would, I would, you know, the, the other cool thing, not that you asked, but the other cool stuff is the specials, you know, the 30 to yep. minute or an hour. And, um, and I've got my picks like everyone does of, of the classics there, Rudolph, Frosty, uh, that, that kind of thing. Uh, love the cartoon Grinch. Don't like the movie version. Sorry, I love Agreed. Jim Carrey. I don't like creepy Jim Carrey as a Grinch. That's a, that's that's too weird. The best one out there is one that no one knows about, and I'm not just saying this because you're you're you know just a baby. No one knows about this. That's my age. 
The only reason I know is my best friend when I was in growing up in school, Breck Nolly, uh, introduced me to it. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is what it's called. Okay. I think you can find it on some Roku channels. I'm sure you can find some scenes, if not the whole thing, on YouTube. Trust me. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's the one. That's the one. Good to know. Okay. Is that the, gonna... That's the end of the show, right? That, we don't need the... Well, I, do, you, do you have it in you to play a game of Gary and Gara? I always have... As long as you can mix in either Christmas at, on... I can do that. Gary Hill Drive or mm-hmm. Emmett Otter or uh, the Griswold family. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to play. All right. Well, first one, I'll make... I can, I can be nimble here. Um, we're not, we chose kind of not to dive into this fully because it's still developing as it relate the, the reports yesterday of the NCAA right. presenting a, a revenue, something akin to a revenue sharing model, something that will essentially potentially create a whole new football well, football. That's a slip because it's all because of football, but a new division one subdivision where schools would opt in or out toward playing paying their athletes some Mm -hmm. minimum amount of money and something like educational related benefits right we're talking about paying athletes something close to pay for play Mm -hmm. that was a clunky clunky explanation and we'll cover it maybe more here on the jacket sounds to me like a mind games topic something we'll talk about on your podcast will be on the next one but based on what we know to this point the idea that we are really maybe careening toward a world where college athletics is a pay-for-play scenario and probably where we've been headed for a long time you gear in or gear out on that destination gear in it feels inevitable uh no sense digging your heels in too deep got to come up with a way to do it i know that's tricky but kind of where we are now with nil so let's just right so it's you know we got we we started nil sort of take the stuff that was being done under the table and put it above in, in plain sight. Well, that's let's, let's go all the way in plain sight and, and just give these guys a cut. You know, who might be in trouble now, all these collectives that have formed in the last few years. I think they're going to get cut out. That wouldn't be the worst thing. I don't think. Perhaps not. Uh, all right. Eggnog, gear in or gear out. We're doing a tis the se- impromptu tis the season <laughs> element here. Gear in on eggnog. I've never actually had it. Seriously, I'll. St- I mean, you know, I'll stick booze in anything. It's not a, you know, it's not like that issue. But I'll, uh, I've never, uh, never indulged in eggnog. I didn't know there was like another kind of eggnog. Um, you really? <laughs> you've never had a? Are, is is there a lactose issue here? That no, I know. Uh, Dairy no. is not an issue. Nope. I didn't think it was an issue with you. No, I mean, it's been an issue, but no. Interesting. Well, I know what Eli's drinking in the media hospitality room at the Alamo, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Uh, all right. Gear in or gear out on this NBA in-season tournament. I don't know how much you paid attention to it. I'm, I'm gleaning based on your viewing last night that it isn't much. Gear, gear neither. I don't. I, I just I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't. Gear in or gear out on Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Gear out. Gear in on Die Hard. Gear out is a Christmas movie. Mm. I know your buddy Todd Lisenby, our buddy, excuse me, our friend Todd Lisenby is 180 from that, right? He's pretty I think so. hardcore 
Christmas movie. Think. Hmm. Ask him. Have you asked him? Did you Liz in or Liz? No, I haven't. This is, no. Yeah, impromptu, I mean it. This, okay. This, so, so you're going off the script. Our feet here. You're off, going off, off script. script. Here's the last one for you. Mm-hmm. Are you gear in or gear out on some weekend in October in 2036, no matter where we are, meeting up for Fletcher's Corny Dog at the Cotton Bowl? Garen, baby. Garen, well, baby. The Cotton Bowl staying there at least through 2036. You got to watch us both react to that news here on the Letterman Jacket. New treats every week. There's so, always something different. Always something different. But that is going to do it for our show. Uh, I'll have news and notes and everything on the Sooners all week. Portal, hoops. I think we'll be talking to Seth Luttrell for the first time as a Sooners offensive coordinator this weekend. Garen, what are you going to have going on? You brought up Mind Games. Uh, fellow Mizzou-made journalist David Ubbin from The Athletic is going to come on. He wrote a really cool piece uh, just a few days ago about the, the real chaos of college football not being over the playoff but over the calendar cramming essentially college football's offseason into its postseason. I thought it was mm-hmm. really well presented. I want to talk to Dave about that and, of course, about the uh, Charlie B- Baker proposed uh, idea on high from the NCAA about uh, about potential revenue, essentially revenue sharing and schools getting involved in NIL and not collective. So Dave and I are going to uh, we're going to dig deep just a little bit. Well, that's what we got for you on this edition of Letterman Jacket. As always, find us Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Amazon, wherever you get your pods, selloutcrowd.com. You'll find it there. You can also get some sweet Sellout Crowd merch if you're behind on your Christmas list, as I am. Garen, what's your progress? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you call it again earlier? So we are Sellout Crowd, a merchandise a, a merch shop that does news. Merchandise that just happens to dabble in journalism. Is that what Correct. You're Correct. Merch shop that dabbles in journalism because we got great stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, if you're behind on your shopping, go to the merch shop and we've got some news there too and some podcasts there too. Uh, there is good stuff. Uh, we got to get the, the Letterman Jacket merch line. That's next. We're going to jump off here so I can start mapping out the Letterman Jacket merch line. I mean, think about it. We could literally sell a Letterman Jacket. There's something special. We'll brainstorm that and we'll be back on Letterman Jacket next week. <laughs>